This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend and partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, we have a, an annual event that uh, that you and I like to do, which is one of us attending a Tennessee Titans preseason game and then uh, kind of deconstructing the experience and roasting the Titans a little bit. So uh, I look forward to doing that, but I want to throw a little love to a sponsor. Uh, this episode is going to be sponsored by Gut Check Press and a new book called A Hard Thing on a Beautiful Day uh, by me. I'm the author of the book, Pipe. So uh, this is an those, essay collection. Those are our favorite products to have as sponsors, by the way. They really are, and I feel like we can do a real heartfelt promo read at that point. So uh, this is a personal essay collection, uh, 80 essays on sports, uh, Christian life, pop culture, movies, music. Uh, if you enjoy my my work on the Happy Rant podcast or in print, uh, run, don't walk to Amazon.com, a little online bookseller that we've entered into kind of a unique contract with, Pipe, in that every, every book, a little portion of the proceeds goes to Amazon. Uh, and then a little portion goes to me. So I'm excited to see how that shakes out. I, I hope people like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get it. I, uh, I always enjoy your essays. And I'm going to completely judge this book by its cover, which is sure. exceptional. And so, mm-hmm. therefore, I will read it because the cover is really good. Dude, it's my favorite cover of all time. It has a picture of my son, Maxim, uh, as a sixth grader. Uh, running in the state, the Tennessee State Cross Country Meet. So it's just uh, a cream, kind of a cream-colored background. Um, just a pull out of Maxim looking really intense, and the book is called "A Hard Thing on a Beautiful Day," which is the the title of one of the essays uh, in there about watching Maxim run. So Maxim was uh, he was adopted from Ukraine, and when we got him, he was so weak, like he couldn't even stand up on his own at age three. He would like blow over in a stiff breeze, and uh, and now he's now he's running in state cross country meets, man, which uh, is is pretty exciting for me as a dad. But uh, also exciting as a dad, pipe was the fact that I took my kid to. Uh, Nissan Stadium for his birthday. So my son Tristan is 16. He is a rabid New England Patriots fan. So given the fact that he grew up most of his life in Michigan, Tom Brady went to Michigan. Uh, he's just always been ride or die with the Pats. So uh, we put on our Pats jerseys, uh, journeyed down to Nissan Stadium. And I want, I want to start kind of chronologically pipe just with the the parking and walking to the stadium experience. So... <laughs> We, which we, you forgot the adjective terrifying parking and walking to the stadium. Experience. Oh, dude, absolutely. So, okay. So we, we parked, um, kind of over the river across the bridge at the Sobro garage. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever parked in that, in that area, but, um, it, it was a nice parking garage. It was fine. You know, we got our ticket, we parked, but then like getting to the Siegenthaler footbridge involved swimming through probably the the largest group of like completely smashed affluent young people I'd ever seen in my life like literally swimming through like girls in sundresses douchebags wearing like khaki shorts and and pastel colored polos absolutely like wrecked right bombed out of their trees and this is at like four in the afternoon on a Saturday see what's so <clears throat> That's interesting because that's – so for those who are not familiar with Nashville, Broadway is like the the Vegas strip of Nashville. It's where all the honky-tonks totally. are. Totally. Sobro is like three blocks over, but it's where it's – it's a lot like 
retro chic yuppie-ish stuff. So if yep. you're on Broadway, it's like Daisy Dukes and cowboy boots. And I think the dudes yep. are wearing the same thing. And then yep. Sobro is, yeah, it's like it's like popped Lacoste shirt collars and, and yep. boat shoes. So Yeah. 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 Dude, it, it was a great time to like basically explain like drunkenness to my son. And I was basically like, it's a really good thing. I didn't live in a city like this in my early twenties because I would have like, I would have made a habit out of like beating the crap out of guys like this on the regs, you know, cause I was a, I was a much less mature person then. And like, you know, bar fights with these guys would have just been a part of my like weekly routine, which and, would have been bad. That's and not also a good thing. these are the type of guys who would start a bar fight not by smashing a bottle on the bar, but by like throwing throwing a Manhattan in your face or something. <laughs> exactly, it's, it's the equivalent of like the glove slap from yeah, from Robin Hood would, Men in Tights. It would be a Manhattan, and I would I would I would wipe the Manhattan off my face and just go like you just threw away seventeen dollars, you know. That's uh, that's just bad. That's that's bad money. No, be like next time, just hand me the cash, and then we'll fight. Everybody wins, dude. Right? Throw the cash at my face, and then I'll pick it up, and then I'll destroy you afterward. But uh, so yeah, we swam through all these drunk people. It was fascinating. Um, yeah, I I really I really hadn't fully taken in the Broadway experience in a few years. And your Vegas Strip comparison pipe is apropos. Like I have been to Vegas. And um, Vegas is one of my least favorite places in the world, and uh, and yeah, this this wouldn't be far far behind, I don't think. Yeah, uh, it's it's just like it, there are fewer fewer like adult shows, and by I don't think there are any on Broadway, but there are enough yeah. sort of drunken bachelorette parties that you're like, oh, this is all an appetizer. Like this yeah. is this is the appetizer for that what Vegas offers. It's just a and it's gotten crazier in the last three or four years because it it has now gained a reputation as like Party Town USA for yep. redneck bachelorettes. Dude, totally. It, w- it was the redneck bachelorette capital of the world. In that, like, I know we've talked about this in the show before, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. The 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 sort of like bike bar, like the thing you sit on and pedal. Yeah, the, while the you pedal drink. tavern or the pedal pub. Dude, that seems to me to be the most like incongruous thing in American public life in the sense that like who ever in the history of drinking has been like, you know, what would make this better? Like a stationary bike. Sweating, like if I, sweating, yeah, if I a, sweating would make this better. If I had a stationary bike while I was getting smashed, then I'd really be happy. You know, I don't I don't think any person ever has said that. But but yeah, that's what happened in uh, in Nashville yeah, a few years I ago. I feel like those were started as a let's see what we can get drunk people to do that's funny. And then they realized, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute, drunk people will do a lot of crazy stuff. We can make money off of this. Yeah. And and they are everywhere. Dude, they are. It's ridiculous. They're ever the streets are just like clogged with these things and clogged with like legitimate double-decker buses full of drunk bachelorettes. I mean, it's really wild. It was, a, it was a really interesting scene. The kind of thing that, like, I enjoyed seeing it once, but if I, if I had to navigate that on a regular basis, i.e. if I lived near there, I think I would go crazy. And I would, even, even in middle age, I would be in bar fights all yeah, the time. The, the plus side of all that is that that stretch of road is not on the way to anywhere. It just dead ends mm-hmm. into the Cumberland River. And yeah, so, that's right. like, it's, a, it's sort of... It's also at sort of the bottom of a hill, so literally it's just like everything sort of flows down into it. But getting around, like if you're trying to get to any other part of Nashville, you do yeah. not have to go through it, which is it's great. like a cul-de-sac for morons, yeah. you know, <laughs> which, which is perfect. Like somebody was really thinking when they designed that. Um, all right, pipe. So we we swam through the 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 drunken d bags. 
uh, made our way across the the footbridge, which offers truly like spectacular vistas of Nashville and the river. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, I, I want to take a moment to go positive on that, man. That was a, and it ended up being a really good place to park and walk in the sense that, you know, it, it wasn't like a, an insane walk to the stadium. So we get to the stadium, we get there early because I'm freakish about watching every minute of warmups. I just like to do games that way. So uh, in 2019 pipe, none of your like ticket activity is paper or cardboard. Every ticket gets scanned on a phone. So whether you use Ticketmaster or StubHub or whatever, like I have a StubHub app on my phone. And like as soon as they opened the gates, people started streaming through. But there was this huge bottleneck because um, because it was like 114 degrees and there was like a surface of the sun quality to being outdoors in Nashville that evening. Um, like the scanners that, that were supposed to scan the barcodes on everybody's phone weren't working right. Uh, because it was so bright, like the ticket takers couldn't see where to scan the barcode. And so what should have taken seconds, it took like minutes to get everybody into the game, which was really aggravating. Um, so that was an instance of like technology, not actually making our lives any easier. And also like when I was a kid, man, I used to collect ticket stubs. Like whenever I would go to a ball game with my dad, like I would, I would bring the stubs home. I'd put them in a little box. I still have them. It was a great kind of archive of like all the awesome stuff we've done together and uh, not not so much in 2019. Yeah, it's it's gotten to the point where you can actually buy ticket stubs at at like the the souvenir joints at like the Ryman or at at yeah. baseball, you know, so it's like take home a ticket stub with you. I was like I used to just have a ticket stub. Right, used they used to, to be the thing you bought. Right, or you, you know? could like collect them from the people you went with or ask somebody else there be like, "Hey, can I just get your ticket stub?" and they'd be like, "Sure, here you go." And because yeah. it was just it was just junk, but it was also a collectible. It's now now it's like, "Oh, but you can spend 8.99 for a for a mock-up one." Exactly. No, it's terrible, man. That's the kind of thing that like inordinately bums me out. Like I get more bummed by it than I should, but, N- but yeah, nostalgic Ted is suffering. Oh, nostalgic Ted suffered, baby. So, uh, you know those stadiums pipe about which people say there's not a bad seat in the house. Um, Nissan yes. Nissan Stadium is not one of those. So no, in fact, in fact, there's the opposite could probably be said. There's yeah, not really there's, a good seat there. Exactly. Like so, a few years ago when we went to a Titans game, um, I was much cheaper and I bought upper deck tickets, thinking, oh, they won't be so bad. And it, at that game, when they did the Air Force flyover, I felt like we were looking down into the F-16s. You know, we could have <laughs> like you thrown... high fived the pilot as he went by. Yeah, we could have like thrown popcorn onto the pilot from where we were sitting. Um, so this year, I sprang for some better seats, and we were only five. We were five rows up, um, kind of in the corner of an end zone, which ended up being a really good seat. Like the the vantage point for watching stuff was really great. Um, so we got to watch the Patriots warm up. Um, and we got to, you know, kind of see Brady up close and all that stuff, which was really cool for my son. I have an observation on warm-ups pipe, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but why does every football team at every level of football in the world warm up for like an hour before the game? Um, especially when it's 114 degrees. Like, I I cease to understand this because I mean these teams have been practicing twice a day for a month. You know, they're not learning anything new in warm-ups. They're not, like, fine-tuning anything. Um, it seems to me that they're just exhausting themselves. And it seems to me also that, like, Bill Belichick is the only person on the planet who has started to understand this. Like, the Patriots 
they warmed up like a full 20 minutes less than the Titans. Well, yeah, especially because, um, you know, Brady's, what, 41? You know, he's like, yeah. I, he throws six times. He's like, you know, I'm as I'm warm good. as I'm going to get. It's, a yep. seven, it's 700 degrees out here. And uh, if I throw any more, those are throws that I can't make later. So Absolutely. I'm using up my bullets. Well, dude, and especially for the linemen who play literally the whole game. Um, I mean, they play every offensive snap. Like, you don't need 55 minutes of you know, getting into your stance and firing out. And I mean, 10, 12 minutes of that, you're good, man. You're ready to go. So Belichick actually had, he had his whole team warm up like 20 minutes less than the Titans and his linemen probably warmed up 15 minutes less than everybody else. Like his linemen came out last and they were probably only on the field for like 10 or 12 minutes warming up, which I thought was fascinating. And I thought it was really wise. Would, you know, it, it seems to yeah, it seems to give lie to the idea of warming up. Like the idea is yeah. you're cold, getting off the bus or whatever. Which of course they didn't really. I mean, they rolled in off of like a luxury bus into a palatial locker room. They're fine, exactly. Um, and you need to you need to get your joints and your muscles and whatever. It's like stretching yeah. and, and getting your heart beat up a little bit, and then you're good to go. Like you don't need. Yeah. Like in peewee football, maybe you need to run through some plays to remind people that like when we call the whatever dive, it means this. But yeah, and at the NFL, that should not be the case. Exactly. No, it was it was really cool, man, to see somebody like finally thinking through that. And like like the college team I coach, the the Division two team, I'm the I just work with the special team, so I have no control over like how long the warm up is. But these poor kids, man, we get to the stadium like four and a half hours early. They sit outside in the heat and just sweat and get dehydrated. And then we warm up for like an hour and 15 minutes. And it's just like our poor roster, man, our, our kids are dead before the game even starts. And I, I I'm certain we've left like two or three games a season out on the out on the field at warmups. But uh, at any rate, um, the game started and I noticed a few things uh, and I texted I texted this to you, I think. So the Titans mascot is a raccoon. Um, <laughs> and this, this is this is confusing to me. Can you explain to me why like a team that's branded as like they have the, like these 300 esque graphics of like oily steroidal dudes like slamming spears into the ground and stuff yeah and, and then they're they, they their even mascot used, is a raccoon they even used to do the clip from 300 you know that this is sparta clip except it was like yeah. this is nashville and then they would kick and it was you know i'm not even yeah. sure that's legal but um yeah. yeah i don't i don't know where the raccoon came from because when i went to the preseason game last year the the mascot was like a big American gladiator looking dude who was carrying like an axe spear and had like a, he was some combination of like gladiator and Roman soldier mix. You yeah. know, he had like the, the big plumed helmet, but then like very gladiatorial, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, attire on. Yeah. And exactly. uh, yeah, oily, oily, big muscles shining, very hairless. Um, yeah. That made I, sense, at least given the fact that it's the Titans, I right. guess. Um, In theory. Although I, I always wondered about the interpersonal dynamic between the steroidal like Roman soldier guy and the players themselves. I mean, in in the sense that like in a very real way, the players are actual gladiators and the players look every bit as steroidal and oily and like impressive as the as the mascot guy. So I always wondered if the mascot guy felt a little sheepish, just a little bit like I'm an imposter here, you know. I, um, I feel like he's probably the type who's like, you know, if if I'd had a better coach, I could have, you know, I could have been. <laughs> yeah, coach. yeah. If you I know, hadn't, was my, if I hadn't it was separated my, my shoulder in college. Yeah, it, was my, you know? it was my defensive line coach really helped me back. He yeah, was, exactly. He's one of those guys. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% correct that he's one of those guys for sure. So, yeah, again, Piper, the branding and like presentation aspect of the Titans is just kind of a head scratcher for me. Um, the uniform is terrible, as we've discussed before. 
And it, it occurred to me this time that it manages to be both incredibly busy and incredibly boring at the same time. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, because it's busy because they do 1,100 different things with it, but they still yeah. do it in two-tone blue, which means yeah. there's there's it's not so much contrast as it is just like yuck. It looks yeah. like it looks like an old school like police officer patrol uniform or like the, <laughs> yeah. or the postman's uniform. Like when it, yeah. if, a, if a Titans player was to walk up to your door, you'd be like, "That's a very large mailman," you know? Like yeah. that's yeah. that's the feeling of it. Dude, you're right. It looks very U.S. Postal Service. I had never put that together, but that's a, that's a fascinating observation. Yeah, they should have that little like you know chain wallet thing that the that the postmen have, and yeah, a little, little like little, little can of mace for the barking dogs, yeah. and and yeah. a little like clipboard where you sign for the package. You know, um, that'd be amazing. I, I actually have another branding and uniform idea for for the Titans, and that is like so as I was walking down Broadway to get to the bridge. Like I saw way fewer hipsters than I thought I would see. And I saw way more like Lacoste, you know, pastel shirt. The hipsters are on the other side of the river. So if you had parked yeah. on the same side of the river as the stadium and gone up into that part of town in East Nashville, yeah. patchouli everywhere. Dude. Yeah. I've been to East Nashville, man. I've done, I've done some eating in that part of town and it is filthy with hipsters. Um, but I'm thinking instead of a hipster themed uniform revamp, why not like, a popped collar, like polo shirt as the jersey, um, and like a like a sort of uh, khaki short motif as the as the pants. Um, I don't know, just really lean into that whole Broadway kind of motif for See, the Titans. I, I just wish they would go like classic country and do yeah. like just an all black uniform with like the word Tennessee on it, and just be like the Men in Black. The Men in Black. Oh, dude, that'd be so awesome. It would. The branding would be great. It would be tough as all get out. It. Yeah. It would just. It would work. Nashville would would own it. It would avoid yeah. both the hipster and the like bro country and or yeah. frat boy d bag yep. thing. Yep. And they just insist on being the Titan Postman. Yeah, dude, and and that uniform would look great too, as evidenced by the movie Any Given Sunday. Uh, an old Oliver Stone football picture where uh, the team in that movie, the Miami Sharks, had an all-black uniform, and it looked incredibly cool. Um, yeah, they could pull that off, man. That would that would be easy to do. And it's, uh, I feel like every year we do like a uniform and branding revamp for these guys, but nobody's we, listening. We also spend an inordinate amount of time complaining about the Titans, but we do. This but is our we po- have this to is watch our them every week. Yeah, I know yeah, it's a- it's inflicted on us. It's inflicted on us. We have to watch him every week. We have to look at that horrible uniform. We have to see the complete lack of like community buy-in to the Titans. Now, I mean, to be fair, there are there are diehard Titans fans, and I think sitting down low like we did, we were we were like a row behind a bunch of drunken, moronic, like really diehard Titans fans. They were all in Mariota jerseys. You know, they were all insisting that like Mariota wouldn't be hurt for half the season and that Ryan Tannehill isn't in fact better than him. And it was, it was funny. I mean, like listening to drunken buffoons is like, you know, it's part of what you buy the ticket for, right? It's uh, it's, it's pretty hilarious. But the last observation I have to make on this 2019 NFL experience pipe is, is that you're really just paying a premium to watch television outside in the heat. Um, <laughs> at, at either end of Nissan stadium is a huge TV screen, right? Like like a, a skyscraper sized TV screen on which there is a constant like cacophony of of ads, little vignettes, little minor league baseball esque gags, um, replays, 
I mean, you're really sitting there sweating watching TV and it occurs to you at, at that point that like you could, you could do this at your own house, like not sweating and, you know, eating and drinking for pennies on the dollar compared yeah. to what you're paying at the stadium. You used a phrase that, uh, that sums up the Titans experience very well. And I think it was minor league baseball esque. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I have not been to an NFL game at another stadium in a long time. Yeah. So I've been to more than one Titans games. And uh, yeah, it the, going to a Nashville Sounds game, which is a AAA baseball team, is way, way more fun. Yeah. Because it's minor league baseball-esque as it should be, as opposed to like the biggest professional sports league in America, who and they can't get their act right. Yep. Yep, it's not a right. fun experience. I, I will take Titans tickets if somebody gives them to me. Granted, preseason is also less interesting than regular season because you're not watching the starters. The yeah. stadium's not as full, etc. But even then, it's a pretty flat experience. Dude, I will say this: it was very special to see the Pats, like to to be able to see a dynasty in person, and even just to be able to see Brady like come out and sort of do the like visiting dignitary shtick. Mm -hmm. Brady didn't do anything like he didn't play. He didn't even like fully warm up, but he was in uniform and it was like there was it, everywhere he went in the stadium. There was like a pack of people just like wanting to touch the hem of his <laughs> Nike jersey. You know, I mean, it, there were Brady worshipers everywhere. Um, probably half the stadium. It was people in Patriots jerseys. So it, it was really cool to see. Brady and James Devlin and Belichick and, um, you know, all these kind of Patriots legends, um, in, in person, that was pretty cool. But, yeah. uh, that is the yeah. best, that is the best aspect of preseason football is that like the games themselves are not fun, but yeah. to be able to go and see your team. So I went to the Vikings Titans games last year, yeah. two, two years since I moved to Nashville, the, the Vikings were in town and I never get to see the Vikings play in person because they play in a division that is a thousand miles away from here. So yep. that, that is fun to be able to kind of go throw on your colors and root for your team. Yeah. Even if it's like a janky version of your team in, in totally. a dump of a stadium. Totally. And it was fun, man. There were individual moments that were great. Like uh, one, one great Titans moment was uh, Delaney Walker caught a touchdown pass so he was hurt all of last season. He's one of my favorite tight ends. He's he's a consummate, uh, just kind of pro yeah, pro. Fun. And yeah, to see him catch a touchdown and and kind of get the the adulation from the fans who were appreciating him being back, it was pretty cool. Mariota ran for a two point conversion and like um, got hit and flipped onto his back into the end zone, which I was like, "There's no way he's getting up from this." But he he did get up, which caused the you know, a sigh of, of relief from everybody in the stadium. So there are always great moments at a pro football game. Like I'm reminded of just how exceptional these athletes are. You know, it is the, it is truly the best of the best. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to see him in person, but, um, Piper, that's our, that's our Titans experience until next year. Um, I can't imagine ever buying season tickets and just being that person. It, it seems miserable to me. But I was, uh, yeah, I was talking to a friend who's who was looking at season tickets. Moved to town, <clears throat> is interested in getting them, and then you know flipping ones he he's not going to use, etc. And he looked at him and he's like, "There's no way I'm spending that much money to watch that team play even three times per year." So exactly, yeah. And the Titans are still very boring. Like to to be clear, like they're going to go seven and nine. Um, you know, the receiving core is going to be mediocre. Mariota will get hurt. Um, you know, Derrick Henry will do his Derrick Henry thing, which is rushing for like a thousand yards in the last four games of the season. Like it's it's by and large the same team. 
Um, they've they've added some pass rushers. You know, Cameron Wake is there. He's really old. Um, although we had a really old pass rusher in Brian Arakpo a couple of years ago, and I, you know, so I don't know. I'm not I'm not convinced that you know this year's team is going to be markedly different than last year's team. I guess, but um, time will tell, Piper. But we have uh, we have baseball things to talk about, and you had the really great idea of doing a draft of things that we've liked and disliked the most about this year's baseball season. And uh, I think each of us did a couple minutes of show prep, which is uh, which is kind of a departure for us. So um, how do you want to structure the draft? Let's talk about parameters. Um, so I figured we would just go five rounds maybe per topic. So, to, yeah. you know, top five for each of us. Um, yep. And just alternate picks. So maybe uh, if if you go first for favorites, then I'll go first for least favorites, and we just alternate, and then just yeah. throw it out there and, and talk it out. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. I've got some. Um, let's uh, let's kick this draft off, pipe, with the uh, round one, the first round of likes. And um, why why don't we let you kick it off? All right, thing you like the most about uh, about twenty nineteen pro baseball. All right, so I'm going to go this that this feels fairly obvious to me. It seems, you know, it's sort of like the the Andrew Luck first pick uh as opposed to like the Kyler Murray first pick, which was, yeah. you know, a bit of a surprise. And it is it is the young stars of Major League Baseball, specifically mm-hmm. those whose dads played in Major League Baseball when I was a kid. Dude, I love it. I've got this on my list. Actually. So we've got I, Vlad I Guerrero Jr. Yep. We've got Dante Bichette Jr. Yeah, we've got uh, the Biggio kid, whose yep. first name is is some some like white preppy name. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, and then Dustin. Fern- there we go, something like yeah. that. Colton. Um, uh, and then and then Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, whose dad once hit two grand slams in the same inning. By the way, well, fun fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think <clears throat> first of all, all these guys are really good. Uh, specifically, Guerrero and Tatis, like they're just monsters yeah. um which is tons of fun that and that doesn't even account for the other young stars like ronald acuna and rafael devers who's who was like who's called a bust for boston a couple years ago but he came into the league at like 19 and now yeah. at 22 they're like oh he's actually supposed to be a rookie now and he's phenomenal uh pete alonzo for the mets um there's a bunch of them that and none of those guys are pitchers so the young guys whose dads played I, it's so cool to like watch vlad guerrero jr and see, he hit a homer the other day. I think the ball was literally sitting on his shin when he hit it. Wow. I mean, it was so far inside and down, and he just yeah. yanked it down the left field line, and I was like, huh, I think I've seen his dad do that. Yeah. And it, yeah. that, I don't know. Those are just super cool experiences, and one of my favorite things. Dude, it's so funny. That was on my list, because I watched that team last night. I watched the Blue Jays, who have all these, like, second-generation, you know, MLB stars. I watched them play the Mariners, and it was a great game because uh, the roof was open in Toronto. So Toronto had, I think, the first retractable roof stadium anywhere. I think so. Uh, the, the old Sky Dome. And uh, it was a really pretty night. They had the, they had the roof open. Um, yeah, just super fun to watch all these, all these really talented second-generation guys. Man, it, it made me feel a million years old, but, uh, but, I, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. So oh, am I going? Oh, another one on that. Pudge Rodriguez's yeah. son. Yeah, Derek is a pitcher for I think the Giants now. He came up yep. as a minor leaguer in the Twin System actually, and then went over there. And he he broke into the league last year, but he just I was just thinking through of other of other uh, juniors or or sons, and he's on the list too. Yeah, 
Dude, so am I drafting my first round like or my dislike right now? We'll do let's do likes. Let's do a whole a whole draft of likes and then we'll a whole do draft dislikes. of likes and yeah. then a whole draft. Okay, round one, my like is uh openers pipe. Uh so for pitching, this whole idea of using an opener, uh letting the opener throw an inning and then like going the rest of the ostensibly the rest of the game with your headliner uh or your more traditional starting pitcher. I have liked this. Uh I think the Tampa Bay Rays kind of piloted this last year. Um, and a handful of other teams have been using it, including my Mariners. And I think it's really helped us because we lack um, what what you would call <laughs> a, a dominant pitcher anywhere in our rotation. So um, we, we have a bunch of kind of mediocre pitchers. And it's really helped us because using an opener means that um, your quote unquote starting pitcher just has one less trip through like the meaty part of your opponent's lineup. So. Um, if we're starting Mike Leake or if we're starting um, any of our other starting pitchers, uh, it means that they don't have to face like the murderer's row part of the the opposition's lineup um, one more time. So uh, it's worked well for us. Yeah. I think it's been good for our pitching staff. Um, it's just kind of a fun way to reimagine baseball. And I, I guess I like this pipe in the sense that I'm not big on reimagining baseball through rule changes and a bunch of stuff that kind of changes the the essence of the game, if you will. But right. um, anything strategic that's different is is really interesting to me, and, and, and this has been fun to see. So, you know, using a reliever in that first inning and then letting your starter, you know, kind of go into the sixth, seventh, eighth inning has been uh, – it's been kind of a fun thing. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm totally with you on the idea that I, I don't like it when they're like, let's let's limit the number of this and that pitching changes mm-hmm. or put a pitch clock on or whatever. Like, it's fine, yeah. whatever. It's not really – that doesn't improve the game. But when people look at the game and go, we're trying to get 27 outs. What is yeah. the most effective way to get 27 outs? Yeah. And just, I mean, football and basketball do this all the time. In basketball, it was like, wait, three-pointers are worth 50% more than two-pointers. Maybe yeah. we should shoot more of those. Uh, it, it's just it's just that and then figuring out creative ways to do it, which I think is fun. I know some people lose their minds, uh, which may or may not be on my draft board for least favorites, but uh, we'll, we'll get there <laughs> <Yeah>. eventually. <clears throat> All right, Love so my, my second pick for favorites is, uh, it's actually a social media account. Ooh, interesting. It is the Pitching Ninja Twitter account. Okay, so nice. So it is, it, what this person does, I, I forget his name, I think it's Rob something or other, maybe Rob Friedman, um, uh-huh. he, he just posts short videos or GIFs of pitchers throwing filthy stuff mm-hmm. but also with some scouting stuff so it's like you know watch the spin on this he'll post a short video of a guy showing his grip it's just if you love to watch great pitchers do their thing it's basically like a perpetual highlight reel of that but also an education in how they do it uh but the other cool thing that he's done is he has he's actually started another account where aspiring professional baseball players so High schoolers, college players can post their videos, and it's become like a scouting service. So wow. guys are getting recruited to colleges. Guys are getting signed to minor league teams, getting tryouts because they played for some junior college in Nebraska. They throw ninety two with good sync, and uh-huh. uh, and and a scout season is like, yeah, we should definitely get that guy in our system. Like, I bet we can teach him a good changeup, and yeah. so. It's fun from a fan standpoint, but it's also just great for the game because it just raises the profile of of talented people and you can tell that he just loves he loves watching good pitching and scouting good pitching so the Mm -hmm. the pitching ninja uh twitter account is my is my other favorite 
Dude, I dig that. That's one of those like examples, and I need to I need to remember this because I can very easily get curmudgeonly and old. Where like technology really has added to the game. Um, I've got a, a follow like that in uh, in the football world. There's a guy that just posts like filthy offensive line videos. Ooh, um, what is it? I I want to know um, this one. I love I love watching O line. Dude, I got to look it up, and I'll I'll text it to you after we're off. The is air, it just I, all Quentin Nelson destroying people? Dude, it's a lot of Quentin Nelson, but it's a lot of just like technique stuff too, like like perfect combo blocks or perfect like you know pin and pull stuff. Like this guy loves offensive line, yeah, and um, it's it's super fun to watch. But uh, but yeah, technology can help us. And and my second one pipe is a little bit technology related in that uh, for the first time in my in my baseball fan career, I got uh, league pass this year. Uh, so I got league pass just for the Mariners. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching them, uh, if not every day, then every couple of days, catching a few innings here, a few innings there. Just the the ebb, the flow, the patter of baseball. It's been nice to have it in my house this summer. But uh, specifically, Piper, uh, the Jason C. Gillette commercial. Um, if you've got MLB League Pass, you know that they run like four or five commercials on rotation. <laughs> that might and, be generous. I think it's two. I think yeah, they run, I think two, they commercials. run two commercials. <laughs> and uh, one of them is in my least favorite things about the season. But uh, I, I've really enjoyed this Jason C. commercial. I feel like I've, I've got like a doctorate in that commercial in the sense that like I've, I've kind of in my mind written a whole backstory for this guy. And he's a, like, he's I've, a firefighter from New York who has very sensitive skin. Uh, he's got very sensitive skin and he's got a, he's got a head like, and this is not a pejorative. His head is like a big ham. You know what I mean? It's just like a big lump of meat on top of his thick neck. And he's, he's got the uniform on. He's sitting in the firehouse talking in a, in a very, to me pipe, tender hearted way about, about his skin and about how the, yeah, it's you very know, the, emotional. He's very emotional very, about his, his the travails of shaving. It's that moment where, like, you feel like a guy's just about to cry. You know, it's that magic moment, like right before the crying, but you know it's coming. Um, that's kind of tonally where he's at through the through the balance of the commercial, and he's talking about the Gillette Skin Guard Razor and just yeah. what a what a difference it's made in his life. And um, I, I don't know how these little rituals develop, but every time I'm watching a Mariners game and I see that commercial come on. I just snap a picture of my television and text it to you, and um, I, I feel like it's really taken our friendship to the next level. It, so yeah, it really has. And I, the thing that I, I realized the last time I was watching this, which I also sent you a picture of it, was that yeah, uh, much it they only show his side of what I, what feels like a conversation, and I'm like 85 percent sure Barbara Walters is asking the questions. <laughs> Dude, but, it has that Barbara Walters feel, doesn't it? For yeah, sure. it, it because he, I mean, just the sincerity and the feeling, and like you can just picture her, you know, very earnestly leaning in and asking, "Now, now, how did it feel to shave with your previous razor?" <laughs> and exactly. uh, and he just talks about how it's just destructive to his face and and ultimately his life, apparently his life, his heart, probably yeah. his marriage ended because of his last his last razor i mean i i see jason c like i've already written it in my mind kind of like a nora efron romantic comedy in that like there's a there's a meg ryan-esque like cute you know yeah like, like, a, like a, meet, a meet cute with gillette yeah he's got a meet cute a meet cute coming up with <laughs> gillette with like the meg ryan character she's 35 she sees the she sees the ad because she's got league pass and uh, she writes some letters, and they get together. So in my, in my mind's eye, that's how it works out for Jason C. Pipe, what's your next one? Oh, man, there were some good ones. All right, I think I'm going to go with um, unorthodoxly beautiful baseball swings. Mm. Yeah, so three guys come to mind with this, all three of whom 
are just destroying the baseball this year. So the first is Pete Alonzo, yeah, who is the, just the polar bear of a human being who plays first base for the Mets, has already broken the National League rookie home run record uh, with, whatever, a month and a half left to go in the season. And he... He's he is a classic power hitter. Like you look at him, you're like, oh, he looks like Lou Gehrig. Like he's just yeah, he's a big, thick, muscly guy, but not like Adonis muscly. More like that guy. That guy, you know, is a bricklayer, muscly. Yeah, exactly. And when he swings, you're like, it's not pretty, but yeah. man, it's dangerous, <laughs> and he just yeah. destroys baseballs. So that's totally. one. The second is Cody Bellinger. Mm-hmm. For uh, who I think is currently the National League home run leader for the Dodgers, who is a, a lefty, and lefties always have prettier swings than righties for whatever reason. But his is not like the Ken Griffey Jr. pretty because he 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 never takes his second hand off the bat. Yep. And so it's this; it has sort of a weird whip feel to it. Yeah. But it's it is spectacular in its own right. And the third is Ronald Acuna for the Braves, who is maybe. It's either him or Javier Baez who are maybe my favorite players to watch just as an individual exciting player. Because um, Acuna's a righty, but he has a swing kind of like a lefty. It's that real loose follow-through. Feels yeah. a little bit like, remember Alfonso Soriano had that kind of yep. weird, unorthodox swing? Except he's a better hitter than Soriano was, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, Soriano was really good, but I think he's a more consistently good hitter. So sure. the the unorthodox, spectacular baseball swing is my third pick. Love it, dude. You know what? My my third pick is kind of dovetails with that. So I'll I'll say this one now. Uh, guys who look like mid century ball players. Um, so guys with body types or the way they wear their uniform or whatever that just makes them look mid century. Mm-hmm. Um, and throwback. And Pete Alonzo was on that list for me. My my own uh, Daniel Vogelback, Vogie from the Mariners is on this list. Like you drop those guys into 1955 and they look like completely at home. And uh, I just think that's cool. Uh, Pipe, do you have one more uh, one more favorite, one more like? I do. Uh, I actually have a few, but I'm gonna yeah. go with um, I'm gonna go with Justin Verlander. As the yeah. representative for old pitchers who are still destroying people. Yeah, dude, I, mean, I like that. By old, I mean he's my age. But sure. he has he also fits the mid century uh the mid century category that you just described because he totally. wears like his baseball uniform fits snugly. Yep. He's he's a big dude, but not like ripped muscly looking. He just looks mm-hmm. he looks kind of Nolan Ryanish out there. Yeah, big, and lanky, kind of farm boy type dude. He's 36 or 37. He still throws gas. He never gets hurt, fingers crossed. Yeah. And he's just he's awesome to watch. And he's been doing it yeah. for like 12 or 13 years now. And uh, I hope he goes for another four or five. Like, I hope he pitches till he's 40. It would just be amazing. But but he is he is the figurehead for the old baseball players, specifically the old pitcher club. Uh, as as all sports move younger, I love watching old guys still succeed. So the, that goes to Justin Verlander, dude. Amen. I'm I'm 100 percent with you on like awesome old guy stuff. Um, all right, my last one pipe is the Mariners rebuild. Uh, I have liked this. I have enjoyed this. Um, we got tons of prospects this year. Um, Depoto does like a new trade every two weeks, so there's always news. Um, there's always stuff to listen to on the Mariners podcasts. Um, it's been fun, man, and we've we've sloughed off a lot of our like you know big ticket high priced old guys jay bruce robinson cano um the cano trade looks great for us at this point 
Um, and, and we've gotten younger. We've gotten prospects in our system now, finally, for the first time in like forever. Um, I think our minor league system now is considered good, um, which was not the case like 12 months ago. So uh, I've enjoyed the Mariners rebuild. It hasn't been as hard to watch the team lose uh, consistently knowing that we've got such good prospects in the pipeline. And, you know, for a, for a rebuild season, like it, it hasn't felt hopeless. Like I, I watched us play Detroit last week and there's a team that's going nowhere. Like the Tigers are hopeless. And, you know, watching the Mariners play, they still bring a lot of energy. There's a good feel. There's a good vibe. Um, you know, all our guys now are young. Like most of the guys on the field are young. So they're still like, uh, energetic for the game, having a lot of fun. So I've I've enjoyed the Mariners rebuild this season. A um, good rebuild is a lot of fun to watch. It just it is, especially because the season is so long. If your team is not good, you yeah. have to have something that you can kind of turn your attention toward to be like, all right, well, I'm going to watch out for this thing. And watching the young guys or the minor leagues yep. or kind of how are things coming together. That's you know, as a Twins fan, I have lots of experience watching young guys and waiting for them to get good. So it it yeah. does make it fun. Okay, Piper, I'm going to kick off round one of our least favorites draft. Um, and this is one that just like burns me up and I, I really hate it. And, and in fact, I have a, I have another curmudgeonly old baseball friend, my buddy Kevin from Tampa. So Kevin, if you're listening, um, whenever this happens, we text back and forth and complain about it for like five minutes. So uh, number one, first round draft pick for my dislikes list is managers not letting pitchers who are dominant throw complete games. Um, so let's say this, this is the scenario, like your team is up six to nothing. Um, you're like an out or two into the ninth inning. Uh, your pitcher is dominant. He's thrown a shutout through like, um, almost, almost a full game. And then the manager takes him out with like one batter left. Cause he doesn't want to go like righty lefty or whatever. Yeah. And, um, dude, it, it just burns me up. Like, why not let a guy who's being dominant through a complete game and in on a, on a less drastic level, just taking out a dominant pitcher because he's hit his pitch count. Um, and this has happened to us. We, not that we have dominant pitching in the, in the Mariners necessarily, but there have been games where like, you know, we get into the sixth inning, we're up like four to one or, or five to nothing or whatever. And just because, uh, you know, Marco has hit his pitch count or Mike Leak or whoever it is has hit their pitch count. We, we pull them out. We put in a crappy reliever who then like proceeds to, to give up, you know, four runs in an inning or whatever. Um, I just don't like this. I think there's a, there's an emotional ebb and flow to sports that analytics type people just don't get. And, you know, when you're an athlete and you're feeling hot or when you're on a hot streak or you're just feeling really good, like the last thing you want is to be yanked out of a game. And, uh, I don't know. I, I like the old school kind of motif of letting a dominant pitcher continue to be dominant. So that's my, that's my first one. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I that there is definitely a give and take. I do believe in pitch counts as a like as a generality, yeah. especially for younger pitchers. It's when they like you talked you brought up Mike Leake. Like if Mike Leake is ever on a hot streak, for God's sake, let that thing run all the <laughs> way out because it it's happens a twice a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's like thirty two. You know, he's yeah. he's not at a place. Like his arm is what it is at this point. And that's right. It's not like you're developing his arm. Yeah, you, you, know? you know, you bring up a guy from the minors, and you're like, okay, we only we only want him to throw so many innings. We got to protect his arm a little bit and kind of build him up over the next season or two. That makes sense to me. Yeah, but this goes back to the Justin Verlander. Why I love this guy. Like he is the type who, if if he's you know, it's he's thrown eight and a third. He's at 117 pitches. 
the manager wouldn't even think about coming to get him because he would he would hit him with a fastball. I mean, yeah. He would just send him. Same with Max Scherzer. Like they would just send those guys back to the dugout. They get off. You know, get off the mound. I'm finishing this game. That kind of thing. Yep. I. I. Yeah. I. I. I dislike when when analytics take too much prominence. I do think there's yep. merit in research and kind of like we we're talking about being creative and getting outs. This is yeah. this is like the downside of that. Totally. All right, Pipe. What's your uh, what's your number one pick for dislikes? Uh, Major League Baseball's marketing. Um, interesting. This, this goes, this corresponds exactly with my, my number one favorite thing, which is young stars. Yeah. Major league baseball sucks so bad at promoting the best things about itself. Mm. It has stars. It has personality. It has fun and excitement and drama and just insane talent. And the NBA knows that its stars are its stars. And so they're just like, we're yeah. splashing these guys ever so much so that you get tired of them. But at yep. least you know what our brand is. The yeah, NFL, right. kind of the same thing. Now, they're more curated and they more own the content. But yeah. MLB keeps people from watching their games. They do the dumb local blackout thing on yep. on their <clears throat> on their streaming services. They yep. don't promote their players. They just they're bad at every aspect of promoting themselves, which as a baseball fan just bugs me because because these guys should like 10 year olds should be excited about vlad guerrero jr yeah and 10 year olds are like who's that i want to be odell beckham which is fine football's great but but they're missing out on an opportunity to love a different star dude you're right man you're so absolutely 100 percent right and I, i would say that those young baseball stars are way more likable than the nfl stars I mean, I think, you know, there's there's more charm. There's more interest in, yeah, a lot of those guys that you mentioned than um, than a lot of the NFL guys. Um, all right, Pipe, my second round uh, least favorite thing about the season is all the paraphernalia that hitters wear at the plate and that they then have to, like, undress and, like, <laughs> discard on the base paths. It so, almost feels voyeuristic to watch him take a walk. Dude, it, it does. Yeah, like, base running in 2019 is an exercise in, like, Taking off a whole bunch of clothes, right? And then you and then you have like the little like clubhouse kid, the clubby like running out into the field and then returning to, <laughs> returning to the dugout with like literally an armload of stuff, right? So he's got the he's got the elbow pads, he's got the shin pad. He's like the um, squire who has to help the knight out of he's his like armor. The squire. And so like he he returns with the elbow pads and the shin pads and all the stuff, right? But then he brings out like the oven mitt that they wear on the base paths. Um, so a lot I of your hate base- the oven mitt so much. Dude, I hate the oven mitt so much. The oven mitt could have been my first round pick, honestly. So if, if you haven't if you haven't noticed, it's a thing that looks like an oven mitt that like fast base runners wear because they assume they're going to be sliding headfirst into a base and it's supposed to like prevent, I don't know, jammed fingers or whatever. But I, I just, Piper, and again, this is my age talking, I feel like Pete, Pete Rose would rather like die than wear the oven mitt. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's just, it's to me an aesthetics thing and, and ditto for all the crap that they wear to the plate. And I know, I know it's scary to stand in against a hundred mile an hour fastball. I've never done it. I assume it's terrifying, but like there's an aesthetic, like coolness and swagger that you lose when you're wearing like, you know, 20 pounds of armor to the plate. 
Um, there it is. I said my piece, man. That's yeah, I think it. I think the armor or the oven mitt is only acceptable if you have had a previous injury. So, for example, yeah. Byron Buxton, Twins center fielder, who's always injured, has yeah. has injured a hand and wrist headfirst sliding into a base. So for him to yeah. do it, I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's it's like we're in a back brace or an ankle sure. brace or something like that. But to do it as a preventative measure, I feel like you have to earn the right to wear it by getting hurt first, which is silly, totally. but also that here I stand. It's sensible, though. I get it, Pipe. Uh, all right, what's your second round pick? Oh, man, so many options. Um, I'm going to go with hand-wringing. Okay, so I like it. This Explain. is this is the, the, the whiny responses. Granted, we've been on the verge of some of this, but the mm-hmm. whiny responses to changes in the game. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, for example, every team is on pace to hit a billion homers this year. The Twins yeah. are on pace to break the major league record by like 80 or something. Wow. It's just bonkers. Uh, they've already broken their their team record for home home runs in a season with more than a you know a month and a half left. Mm-hmm. So, and people are like, oh, it's a juice ball. The game's never been the same. Yada yada yada. People have no sense of history. Yeah, there are things in 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 baseball's history called the dead ball era. There was a period of time when they they lowered the mound after 1969 yeah. when Bob Gibson had like a one point. One two ERA <laughs> yeah. and and, yeah. and drilled eleven guys in the back. Uh, yep. He just like, baseball. There was the steroid era. There was the cocaine era. There was the yep. the pre uh, the pre integration era. There's just all of these eras in baseball, and that's what happens. Like every eight to twelve years, yep. things shift. Whether yep. it's whether it's equipment, whether it's <clears throat> technology, whether it's fences being moved in. I mean, there used to be ballparks with five hundred and twelve foot center field fences. Yeah, uh, that that changes the nature of the game a little bit. So hand wringing is silly as yeah, because the game is fundamentally the same. There's nine guys against nine guys seeking to get the most runs before they get 27 outs. Yeah. And it's and so you were talking about how you love the opener. A lot of people hate the opener. Some yep. people hate the shift like there need to be a rule against the shift. No. Mm-hmm. People just need to hit better. Which absolutely. So here's the thing: there's been less complaining about the shift this year because everybody's hitting homers, and the shift doesn't mm-hmm. really have stopped the ball from going over the fence. So yeah. I think hand wringing is silly, and people just need to kind of ebb and flow with the changes in the game, and realize yep. that ten years from now, there's going to be differences from what they do now. There's going to be different kinds of pitchers, different kinds of hitters, different different everything. Sure. And. And so, you know, there's a ton of homers and strikeouts. Guess what? In five years, there's going to be a ton of contact hitters. Yep. Because there's going yep. to be a void for that. So, so hand-wringing is my, is my next least favorite thing. Dude, I like it. And I got I to gotta wrap up here in a couple of minutes. So I'll go, I'll go quicker on this next round. And uh, maybe we'll just do one more round. So my, right. my, my third dislike is the Cologuard commercial. Um, so this is, this is the other commercial in rotation on MLB league pass, if you have it. And, um, the Cologuard commercial is as follows. Um, there, there's a little like cardboard box. That's a cartoon character. And as, as far as I can tell, like you take a dump, um, you put it into this box and you ship it to go to Cologuard and they tell you whether or not you have colon cancer. Which probably in the in the pantheon of like health related developments, this is probably a really good thing, right? And um, you know, if if you have colon cancer or a cancer survivor, this is this is doubly a good thing. But um, conceptually, it's it's a really kind of gross concept, but it's also like the idea of putting a cartoon 
kind of an- animatronic like box of poop on- onto the commercial <laughs> is you know to me yeah. just a real head scratcher pipe you know and, and and to have it be the thing that you watch so many times that it gets like ground into your subconscious yeah, it's just they, a lot it's a that lot. that's the kind of thing that uh, that should only apply to like that should only happen in a doctor's office i had to get checked for a stomach parasite after international travel at one point similar yeah. similar situation between a doctor and me and that's sure. it. Like this is not. This is, should not be on a public broadcast. I'm. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I mean, have we no decorum in 2019? Is is nothing sacred? You know. Um, yeah. It's just. It's hard to watch. Piper, what's your third round pick for baseball dislikes? All right. Third round. Uh, I think this is the last one. Is uh, unwritten rules. Mm. I hate I'll baseball's unwritten rules with the fire of a thousand suns. Just <laughs> the so. There was a situation where uh, the Twins were up by, like, six runs. Their hitter goes to a 3-1 count, which everybody knows is a hitter's count, and he proceeds yep. to line a single to right field. Mm-hmm. And the next guy gets drilled in the back because the other guy was not supposed to swing on 3-1 when you're up by six runs, mm. which is an unwritten rule I was unaware of. Uh, yeah. You know, I know you're not supposed to steal when you're up by that much. Again, unwritten sure. rule. but. These kinds of things are just they they feel like petty lack of competitiveness. Well, like, dude, just, I agree. Just get the guy out. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah, how you, this works. Right. You don't want him to get a hit, like pitch better. Get him out. Like don't don't find yourself in a three one count. Especially and, at the professional level. Like if there's ten year olds in a soccer game and one team is up like sure. fourteen to nothing, yeah, like just just pass the ball and don't shoot. But yeah, it's professional baseball. Get him out and quit your whining. Well, and, and to the point of it being professional baseball, I mean, that guy is looking to pad his batting average so that he can get paid the next time his contract comes around. Like it's a it's a you know, he's looking to get work next season and, you know, he'll he'll do so by getting on base. And, you know, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to fault a guy for taking advantage of a hitter's and, count. And in baseball's that kind of not like baseball's not really a sport where you can run up the score at a professional level. It's sure. so hard to get hits yeah. and to, to be offensively successful, that to get mad at a guy. I mean, I heard a quote that said something like, it's against the spirit of the game. No, you know what's against the spirit of the game? Asking a guy not to do his job. His job Absolutely, is to get dude. hits off of you, and your job is to get him out. So That's do right. that That's thing right. and quit crying. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's just – it's kind of astonishing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, man. Um, Piper, this has been fun, dude. It's been fun to kind of recap the baseball season. Yeah. And uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed my baseball fandom this year, and I think I'll enjoy it more once the Mariners start to get a little bit more competitive. But uh, but I've enjoyed our conversation. Uh, always fun to break down the Titans as well. Um, and I should probably go. Do we, have a, do we have a perfect name for the sign-off? Oh, let's see. Uh, I think Fernando Tatis is a good sign-off. <laughs> I think he That's also great. deserves an ode because he had a season-ending injury, which would have been my next least favorite thing is injuries. But um, I think Fernando Tatis should be our sign-off. Dude, what a cool name, too. Really if, your is. Name is, if your name is Fernando Tatis, you've never had like an uncool day in your life. You know what I mean? You're going to grade school. You're, you're walking a little taller because of your name. Um, I don't know. Tip it cap to the Tatis family. Um, and I know they're listening, you know, so wherever they you are. are. Yeah. Piper, we have done what we always do on this sports program and that we've wandered to and fro throughout these topics. And until next time, 
Fernando Tatis Jr. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter and two men leave because that's how it works. (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at LifeAudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.